Thank you for joining IRW Coffee Break. This is a podcast series hosted by KPMG IRW specialists within the Washington National Tax Practice to discuss current topics in the field of information reporting and withholding. Every episode will discuss a discrete area of interest in a brief segment. So we invite you to grab a cup of coffee or just get comfortable while we explore all things IRW. Hi, and thank you for joining this episode of IRW Coffee Break. I'm Lori Hatton-Boyd, and I'm joined here today with Steve Friedman. Steve is a director in KPMG's Washington National Tax Practice and Procedures Group. Today, Steve and I will be discussing voluntary disclosures for payors and withholding agents that have discovered compliance failures. We're going to start with the discussion of failures related to payments to U.S. persons. So, Steve, is there a formal program to resolve information reporting failures with the IRS? Well, Lori, there isn't a formal program. The IRS has not issued a revenue procedure. There's no procedure or or instructions in the Internal Revenue Manual or any other guidance released by the IRS. But informally, the IRS will work with payors to resolve information reporting failures. Most importantly, though, a payor must voluntarily bring the error to the attention of the IRS. And payers should not be bringing the same or similar errors repeatedly to the IRS for resolution. Now, I should add that for any payor that discovers a reporting error, there is a safe harbor for certain de minimis errors. So, for example, if you do find 1099 reporting errors and no single amount in error differs from the correct amount by more than $100, then according to the Internal Revenue Code, the IRS will treat those 1099 errors as correct which means no information reporting penalties and no need to file corrections. So the key is as long as no amount in any particular box within a 1099 is incorrect by more than $100, then you're within the de minimis threshold. With respect to withholding tax, however, the error cannot be any more than $25. Yeah, so I can see how that safe harbor could be helpful. But when the errors actually exceed those thresholds, how does the voluntary disclosure process work? Is there a particular person within or group within the IRS that the payor would contact? Well, Lori, there are certain IRS representatives that do handle these matters, but but unfortunately, there is no public guidance that provides specific contact information. And this is unfortunate, um, but there are known individuals that tax professionals can reach out to, and we have made efforts, find the right person, and we can start a process for payors. Okay, so once the payor is able to reach the right person within the IRS, how does the process work from that point? Well, in general, a payor needs to make a full disclosure of all the facts, which would include providing a spreadsheet of the affected payees and the unreported income related to each of those persons. Generally, however, the TINs of the payees do not need to be provided for this purpose. So people are very glad they don't have to provide that kind of payee information and put it out there. But when they provide a spreadsheet, they're essentially establishing the scope of the reporting failure and the errors that are covered by the settlement process. Now, I think it's important for everyone to understand that a voluntary disclosure is only available for underreporting of income. So if there's been an overreporting of income that negatively affects payees, 
in those circumstances, corrected forms should be filed. In other words, the IRS does not have a process or system in place in which they'll provide a payor with an aggregate refund that the payor can then distribute to the affected payees. So as you can see, Lori, we are only dealing with errors that resulted in the underreporting of income. These are errors that led to a loss of tax revenue to the U.S. Treasury. Now, a key component of this settlement process requires that the government be made whole because we're talking about underreporting of income. And so the payor is going to be required to pay what's referred to as a compliance fee to the IRS. The amount of the compliance fee is generally going to be based on current withholding rates. So since we're dealing with 1099 reporting, the IRS will generally look to the backup withholding rate, which is currently 24% when we're dealing with 1099 errors. And if we're dealing with W-2 errors, generally they'll look to the supplemental wage withholding rate, which is currently 22%. On the positive side, payment of this compliance fee is going to be in lieu of any penalties that otherwise could be assessed by the IRS against payors. So you're not going to be penalized for having filed incorrect information returns or for having furnished incorrect payee statements. The terms of all of this settlement process are going to be set forth in a closing agreement. So this is a formal process. This is a contract, a closing agreement entered into between the payor and the IRS, which will state, among other things, the underlying facts related to the errors, that the IRS and the payor are entering into the agreement to resolve the information reporting matter. It'll establish the amount of the compliance fee, as well as the fact that the payor does not need to file corrected information returns. And lastly, that the payment of the fee is not a deductible item by the payor. So when the payor does go into the IRS and presents all of this information, is the IRS required to accept the voluntary disclosure and and resolve the matter through this closing agreement? Unfortunately, Lori, the IRS is not required to accept the case and may decide not to if the number of affected payees or the aggregate dollar amount at issue is too small. Now, there's no specific dollar threshold that must be exceeded, but amounts that are less than, let's say, $100,000 to $200,000 in the aggregate might be rejected by the IRS as the service might conclude that the resources on their end necessary to work the case are too great in comparison to the dollars involved. Or they may conclude if you're only dealing with a small number of payees or a smaller dollar amount, that there's less administrative burden in simply utilizing the normal correction process and having corrected 1099s filed and amended returns filed. Well, Lori, I've been describing domestic payments and the 1099 process, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe you've worked many cases involving reporting failures related to payments to foreign persons. So with regards to 1042S reporting errors, does the IRS have a some system to resolve those types of situations? Yeah, they do, Steve. It, it's actually the process is much more formal on the 1042 side. There's actually a designated group from the foreign payments practice that are physically located in Chicago that handles these types of disclosures. And the IRS recently updated the Internal Revenue Manual to address how to submit a voluntary disclosure to that group. So the starting point is that the withholding agent is going to have a letter where they're going to describe the error 
They're going to describe how they discovered the error, the amount of the underwithholding, and then very importantly, what measures they've taken to make sure that this error doesn't happen again in the future. Then if the underwithholding was calculated using a particular methodology, the withholding agent's going to want to describe in detail how they came up with the methodology and explain why they think that that methodology is a reasonable method. Then along with this letter, the submission would include the completed forms 1042, so original forms if they were never filed, or amended returns if uh, prior returns had been filed and need corrected, and then of course the payments. And I always recommend if the withholding agent is submitting a disclosure for multiple years to have a separate check for each separate year. It just seems like the processing of those returns is much smoother if they have those separate checks for each year. Normally, if there's compliance gaps over numerous years, the IRS's administrative practice is to go back six years. Though if the amounts are significant, the IRM does say that the IRS can get special permission to go back further. And then finally, the taxpayer is going to want to submit a letter requesting abatement of penalties. And if they don't do that, the group there, whatever agent it's assigned to, will reach out to them and ask for it. But it's just smoother to just have that entire package all together. Once the disclosure is accepted, the IRS will send a letter to the taxpayer letting them know that they've accepted the disclosure package and the returns have been sent to Ogden for processing. Very interesting, Lori. So oddly enough, for 1042S reporting errors, there seems to be a more formal process that's set out in the Internal Revenue Manual in comparison to the 1099 voluntary correction process. But oddly enough, the more formal 1042S process is resolved in a less formal manner as generally 1099 cases are resolved by entering into a formal closing agreement between the payor and the IRS. Yeah, I, I think that is an interesting point. I think with that, I'm going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you, Steve, for joining me and sharing your insightful information. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. We hope you'll join us again for future episodes of IRW Coffee Break. 